Now, this morning, it's very, very, very important that you remember that song the next couple of minutes. It's critical that you remember that. And before we talk about why it's important for you to remember that, I do want to take one second, uh, and I want to thank God, first of all, for people down through the ages. I know we had a video, but even uh, to right now, people that have served this country and they have given their lives so me and you could be in this church doing this right now. And I think we ought to give them and family members a great big hand. I want to also just remind you as a way of reminder that a lot of you have asked about these multitudes church shirts. I don't have one. I don't have one. When y'all did those, I wasn't here or whatever. Today is the last day to do that, and you can be, you can be assisted in, in getting a shirt. Uh, as soon as service is over with, you go to that little welcome booth we have back there. Uh, Frank or somebody will get you squared away on that. And then you can be a multitudian, and you can show people you are. And I, I also want to just thank everybody that came out Wednesday night to our volunteer meeting. Same thing. We're going to do the same thing. It's going to be a live stream that will be for people that can't get to church and for you to watch after church. But uh, all the volunteers, even if you were not able to be there this Wednesday night, you know it was short, but it was sweet and it was powerful. And I'm giving you a hand because you did a great job. And you encouraged me, and you made God happy because he, you, you showed him that we're pushing that ball, and that's real important. When you make up your mind like Nehemiah did last week, when we talked about Nehemiah 2, which I'm going right back to Nehemiah chapter 2, when you understand that the wall, we said the wall is the children, but even in our own personal lives, we have, we have things that God has us in place to do. Just heard a great story from Dale and Teresa about uh, their daughter, how God rerouted her from Oregon to Tennessee and canceled Memphis and canceled a flight, the only flight because of snow in Denver. But during the process of all that and, and getting refunded and put up in a hotel and rescheduled, God, out of all that that seemed to be so inconvenient um, and, and just would work a lot of people over, God enabled her to witness and share Jesus to a Muslim lady that rang her up. So, and I didn't plan on them telling me that. I didn't plan on that fitting, just like I didn't know what they were going to do in that song, and I'm sitting over there and say, God, you are awesome. I'm just telling you. But God will... In your everyday life, he will use you to work on a wall somewhere. But you got to let him, folks. 
even when you're on vacation, you can work on the wall. Now, not long ago, Ed and Deborah and Heather were away. I don't like to say it when people are away, but they're back now. But Heather didn't blow it. She, didn't, she had a missing people book, and there was a souvenir uh, or, you know, how you go and you get these cheesy coupons out of a... I just made somebody mad, man, because you are Ultimate Tourist 101. I mean, and you live by them, book, them booklets. Well, Heather didn't waste it, and I think she might have got a book, and this is not, but whether she got a book or not, she left a book, a missing people book. So you can work on a wall all the time if, if your mind's on the wall, if your mind's on the children, if your mind's on the lost, and so another kind of commercial before I go to Nehemiah, on your way out, it's Memorial Day, and you need, to, you need to load up. They're on your left. If you want to give toward that ministry, you can. Every time we get another $300, we order another 100 books and say, get rid of them. And it's not about you giving money toward it. Are you not giving money toward it? It's about you leaving these books everywhere you can because one day people are going to be scrounging around to get the one because unfortunately they're going to be left and they don't know what to do. So God's put you in place to work on that wall that's going to be built later on during tribulation. Amen? Now, Nehemiah chapter 2, and what we're going to actually do right now we're going to go to uh, two verses, three verses that precede the verses we read last week, which was 12 through 18. We're actually going to look at before and after what happened. Now, to bring everybody quickly up to speed, last week when we were talking about all this about the children and Nehemiah, he just pretty much went on a reconnaissance mission and he saw that the people of God were in distress and they'd been in distress long enough. And he said, this cannot continue to happen. And he realized that the wall, the city was just, it was just left in disarray. Nobody cared about it, but God moved on that man. And God put a burden in his heart to do something about it. And my prayer today, people here online or listening later, that God would put a burden like you've never had before, not just for children, but for the lost in general. And the people that have that kind of burden put on their, their hearts, everything in their life gets pushed away to the back, and that becomes priority number one or as... I told you before, the great philosopher Silas Robertson once said, that's rule number one. Push everything away, and that becomes rule number one. So if you will look at verse 8, you're going to find out about a couple of men that were not on board. In fact, they were doing everything they can that these demons did in this song a while ago. So, Father, before I even open my mouth to read your holy word, 
I understand it's that. It's a holy word. These are your people, God. They're not mine. This is not my church. This is not my pulpit. The calling on my life is not even my own. It's one that you made. So I pray I would decrease. I would speak only what you have ordered and ordained for this very minute. I pray we would all hear and not be a distraction or be distracted. And I rebuke anything that would try to interfere with the sowing of the seed. In Jesus' name, God's people said amen. So here's how all that went down. Verse 8, and a letter, and a letter unto Asap, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may be given, temp, given timber to Nehemiah to make beams for the gates of the palace which appertain to the house and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall enter into. And the king granted me according to the good hand. Now, you've got to remember this verse, church. And the king granted me according to the good hand of my God upon me. The king did this, gave him letters to get, to get wood and to get timber, not because of him, not even because of his mission, as good as it was. But the king gave him this simply because and only because the good hand of Almighty God was upon him. Verse 9 says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river, and I gave them the king's letter. Now the king has sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. When, here's them scoundrels I was telling you about, the demons in the story. When Sanballat, the Oronite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them. Everybody say, grieved them. It grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Now, I'm going to give you that again, but I'm going to give it to you like this. Number one, whenever you're going to do something for God like we're going to do for families this whole summer, even right now, to reach children, to reach teens, to reach college age and young adults, and to reach families. Since last week when I presented this to you, I preached this message to you, 19 children, as you all know, have died in a very, very demonic way along with two adults and hundreds if not thousands of people that are connected directly to them people. Their lives will never be the same, never ever. You can go political if you want to. You can even talk about the lack of security and a teacher leaving a door unlocked. You can talk about 
all those other things you want to and you can do what this carnal, demonic world has done with it. But I'm telling you, the root cause of all of it is still sin. Sin showed its ugly face again and that's what sin looks like. Whether you have a gun or you don't have a gun, you're still going to have sin in the world. Whether you have somebody that votes for it or against it, whether you have doors locked or unlocked, whether you have Democrats, Republicans, Independents, or nobody that cares about any of that trash like your preacher does not care, you're still going to have sin. And the only way you are going to live above sin and you're going to be able to defeat sin is by the blood of Jesus Christ and that's the only way. So you're not getting it out of Washington. You never will. And you can forget it when you get it out of Hollywood. You're not getting it out of Raleigh. It doesn't exist. The only place it exists is right here. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today forever, he defeated it once and for all. And when you make your mind up that I know about sin and I'm here to confront sin, and sometimes, <coughs> I'm sorry, you're going to have to deal with this again. <coughs> I'm sorry but I'm on his turf right now, and you might as well go with me, okay? <coughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just really sorry about all this. It aggravates me worse than it does you. And I ain't coughed all day, all day. I just got to do this. Stretch your hand this way. Father, this is your word. We're your people. Me nor they will hear anything that will even compare to this the rest of this day or this week. He's the author of confusion. He asked to afflict Job. He's trying to aggravate me right now. But through the blood of Jesus, we rebuke him and pray, Lord, that what you sent us here to get we will get it, and we'll take it out of here and make a difference for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, brother. I won't turn it down. God made the water, and he walked on the water. I ain't got a problem drinking it while I preach. So when you make your mind up, you're going to do good. You're going to do right. You're going to work for the children whether you go up there and you do what we did Wednesday night, still room, I know how y'all are, so the preacher ordered extra shirts that are already here, so cough it up, sign up, show up. The Bible says for the shepherd to know, to know the condition of his flock. I know the condition of the people that park up in here. I ordered extra shirts. Mm. And I did that in a spiritual way. Not a negative way. So, if you're going to do something good, you make your mind up, you're going to do it, you're going to work on the wall, guess what? According to verse 8, you ask for help. Nehemiah 
Number one, he asked for help. And he got help. If you ask for help, you will get it. We've asked for help, and we got it, and we are still asking for help. Jesus Christ said, you have not because you ask not. If, has God got you on a personal mission, something dear to your heart, to win your friends, to be a difference maker this year, this summer, while you're out of school? You're not going to drink the Kool-Aid. You're not going to follow along with everybody else. Ask for help, and God will send it. <clears throat> but the second thing is, you've got to understand what you repeated with me in verse the latter part of verse 8, and that is that God's hand upon you is the best thing to get the job done anytime. One, I think. So before I do the latter part of verse 8, let me just go on and get this out. I didn't come to play today. I, I'm not telling y'all that. I'm just making sure the devil hears me. He's so scared about what I'm about to say that there's no reason these batteries should be dead in this microphone, by the way. Because that rabbit, that bunny, he was like super charged he was good but the devil doesn't want me to tell anybody this and online you hadn't missed a thing so I waited so I'm, I'm going to make sure I stress it even more than I probably was going to stress it so you just just listen because he tried to block me me from saying it and you you from hearing this yesterday God dealt with me about this I thought I was pretty through with this message, but then I had me a time in the Holy Ghost, just riding down the road, because when he said that the hand, the good hand of his God was upon him, God showed me a glove that was sitting down in the console laying down in the console of my truck he said pick up that glove I put it up on the dash and the spirit of the Lord began to deal with me you see when you make your mind up and I'm gonna tell you why you got to make your mind up when we when we read some scripture here in a minute the reason you have to make your mind up that I'm not going to be influenced or enticed or swayed by the world, the government, 
people, my family, my friends, my health, my economic state, not going to be persuaded by that at all. Then you become a person. See, without the good hand of God upon you, you're like an empty glove. Nothing. This thing is useless when it's just laying around. And that's what we are when we don't make our mind up. As for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. I've lived another day not to get all I can out of life, not to make all the money I can make, but I've lived another day so I can glorify God. Then, then your whole purpose for living shifts from you to him, and when you live for him, the good hand of God will come upon you. And what used to be useless, a life of no count, all of us, see, you, you can try to feel this glove. The world can try to feel this glove. Money can try to feel this glove. Your knowledge can try to feel this glove. But it's, it's like dead on arrival, DOA. It, it's no good. But when you crucify your flesh and the good hand of God comes on you, it's like you being a a glove that's just sitting there waiting. And when the hand of God comes upon you, all of a sudden, that glove becomes useless. It doesn't matter if you touch something hot, if you touch something cold, if you touch something sharp, or if you touch something slippery and greasy. The Bible says, that when God comes upon you, that not even the gates of hell can prevail, prevail against you because it's not you building the wall anymore. It's not you moving supplies from room to room. It's not you painting. It's not you vacuuming. It's not you singing. It's not you putting a book in a visitor's box somewhere at a road stop. But it's the hand of God working on you to witness to a Muslim in Memphis, Tennessee, when you are all the way from Oregon. It's not us. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith, by a God that orders our steps. He ordains our steps. And until you, like we used to say growing up, until you let go and let God, you're just a flimsy old glove. You are a broken, empty cistern. You're not getting anything done. And you are just using space that could be used in air to do something for God. And Satan wants you to live and die a glove. It looks like it could get something done. It's got a pretty color on it. It's got a nice grip on one side. But you know what? Paul said it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I, it doesn't matter if I give my body to be burned. If God's not in the middle of it in love, I am like a clanging cymbal. I'm just making a tinkling sound. I'm not doing anything worth anything. But when God comes upon you, you'll be a wall builder. Then verse 9 says, Then I came to the governors beyond the river, gave them the letter. Now the king has sent captains of the army and horsemen with me. So number three, quickly, number three says, 
There are always horsemen that are waiting to help. You ask for help in the beginning of verse 8. But when you make your mind up and the hand of God comes on you, God will not only meet your need, but how many of you have ever read before? He's able to do exceedingly and abundantly. I, I just could, I really could stop and preach right there. See, hallelujah, thank you, Father. I think we underpray every day of our life. I think we under-trust God. I think we under-walk by faith every day. I, the Lord said, put me to the test in Malachi 3 when it come to money. So if God would tell you to test him about money, don't you think you can put God to the test when it comes to witnessing to somebody that's strung out on drugs or when it comes to somebody that seems like they burn all the bridges in this life? Don't you think God can do exceedingly abundantly above what you ask? We need to start asking God more than what we're asking him for. We have not because we ask not or we ask amiss. We ask in vain, the Lord says. And today God wants his people to build walls and he wants you to let him work in your life. He wants to be the potter. He wants you to be the clay and he will fill every vessel. He will fill every glove. But you've got to be willing to say, I'm building the wall regardless of what happens. And then the latter part of verse 10 says, when Sat, well, the whole verse, when Samballat heard it, Tobiah, it grieved them exceedingly because. There was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. And number four says, you need to be the glove. I need to be the man. Are you the person? Are you the student? Are we the church that is going to seek the welfare, not of the children of Israel, but the children of this county, the children in your family, their family, your neighbor's family. Are we going to be the church? Are we going to be the people? Are we going to be the group that says, listen, we can't measure what we're going to do by what everybody else is doing, but we're going to be the people. We're going to be the wall builders. We're going to be the ones that seek the welfare of the children. There's a lot of people seeking the welfare of their pocketbook and their, their own acclaim and their, and their own notoriety. But God says, listen, if you give these children, I'm preaching a lot of last week and that's good, but I'm telling you, if you give one of these children a cup of water in my name. He said, you've done it to me. You're blessed. I'm going to hook you up. I'm going to help you out. But you've got to be the glove so God can do the work through you. You can't do it on your own. You've proven, haven't you? You won't do it on your own. So you have to get out of the way so God can do what he wants to do. Crucify your flesh. Die daily. Sanctify yourself daily. That's what Paul said to do. Be the man, be the church, be the student, be the group, be the family, be the co-worker, be the neighbor, just be the man that seeks the welfare. And I'm telling you what it'll do. It'll grieve the devil. You might not have anybody, I doubt it, very seriously, by you or around you by the name of Sanballat or Tobi maybe a Tobiah or a Toby maybe. But you've got people and you've got all of hell 
that works through people, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You've got people that it's going to grieve them. It might be sitting beside you in the church. A lot of people are okay when you don't do anything at all. And, they, and I don't know of situation at all in this church, so I'm, I feel so much liberty to preach this right now. I, 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 God told me to preach it. If I knew 40 people were like this. But there's a lot of people at what we used to say, at ease in Zion, and they're just Cadillacing. They think they are. Don't care about the glove thing until the trumpet sounds. And the devil works. He works in all that, church. God is not the God of the dead. Who do we associate death with? We associate it with the devil and all of hell. So when you live a life that's empty, when you live a life that's not open and available for God to get it done, it's a dead life. That's a dead glove right there because there's no hand inside of it. And that's what the devil likes a lot of times. And you make your mind up that I am going to serve God until my last breath. You're going to grieve somebody. You're going to make somebody's mad. And you know why you make people mad? You know why Tobiah and Sanballat got so upset? I believe because they got nervous because it made them look bad. A lot of Scholars may argue and all that, but that's what happens a lot of times. When people get nervous because you're ready to bust the move, you're ready to do something, you're, start, you, you, you're tired of being a watcher, it makes people nervous, and it'll grieve them when you show up to help somebody else out. So don't worry about it. If you go to verse 19, you're going to find out how this plays out. So when Sanballat, the Oronite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, here you go, they laughed at us and despised us and said, what is this thing that you are doing? Will you rebel against the king? So I answered them and said to them, the God of heaven will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. I'm going to break it down because that's what Nehemiah just did. He said, listen, we're doing this for God, and this ain't none your business. When you get ready to do something for God, let me tell you something. And you might have to hurt feelings all the way around you. But you need to make it very clear to yourself and to all of hell that you have to be prepared to tell the devil because he's going to try to talk you out of it. This ain't none of your business. This, you ain't got a lot in this. You ain't got a part in this. You don't care about them children. In fact, you just killed 19 this week. Does anybody hear where I'm coming from yet? I just think it's all sinking in today, and I'm good with that. But I want you to understand, if you don't have a visual yet, after what we've heard and seen this week, you need to understand 
that more than all the other things, Satan, once again, is after children. He's after children. If he can't abort them before they get out of the womb, he'll kill them in the classroom. Or he'll kill them with drugs. Or he'll kill them with alcohol. You've got to wake up. I've got to wake up. The body of Christ better wake up. But he's after our children, and we ought to understand by now that he means business. Does the church mean business? Is there a man? Is there a woman? Is there a glove? First thing you got to know about this, because it's not just here, but your wall is everywhere. What God's put on your, it might not be a, a Muslim attendant. It might be a neighbor. It might be a co-worker. It might be a family member. But when you make your mind up, I'm going to do it regardless. And it's none of your business. Number one, people will laugh. And you know what laughter is a lot of times? Laughter is a mask or a cover-up for laziness. I'm not trying to draw attention to myself. But I don't mind telling you of a God compliment that a man gave me one time. That he didn't mean for it to be a God compliment. But Jeff Strickland is a good friend, and he's done a lot of painting for us over the years. And every time we would do something scenery-wise or whatever, or I would talk to him about stuff we're going to do, he told me, he said, man, I told somebody the other day, when I was, and this has been years ago, that, boy, when, when, when Opie Swells makes up his mind, he said, I don't care what it is. He said, He's going to do it. The church is going to do it. He said, you can't talk him out of it. He said, I don't care what it is. He's going to do it. And I, because I don't do it. I mean, we do it. Amen? So, what are you, what are you trying to say? If you make your mind up, people are going to laugh. I can call names of people that told me when we first started this 25 years ago in the skating ring, when I had little drawings that are back there in that locker room that I had people to laugh at me and tell me. Uh, they said they thought it was a good idea, but it just sounded like a pipe dream. Listen to me. If you take the pulse of this world before you obey God, you will never obey God. You won't do God because the world will talk you out of it. And a lot of time, the thinking of the world is inside of the church, and people will tell you every reason why they can't do this. But you need to understand, when people are talking you out of it and laughing at you, that's just a big cover-up for laziness. Because you know what? Paul said, I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished my course. He said, I've run the race. There's nothing kickback about that. That's a lot of sweat. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of training. That's a lot of personal sacrifice. That's a lot of dedication. And you live in a lazy culture now where people don't want to do it. And I've made this joke many times, but there's a lot of truth to it. I said we can have a free feeding at the church. You don't even have to ask if people will show up on time. But you can tell people we got free, not even $10 a month. We got free workout rooms. You go burn it off, baby. And look, I got something to do. I ain't able. I just went to the doctor last week. People will eat their self to the grave, but they won't keep the temple of the Holy Ghost in shape one bit. You think you don't like that. 
Let me preach that to a bunch of overweight preachers. They will tar and feather me. I know there are certain things as diseases and all that, but the main, I'll talk about preachers for one second here. The main thing with preachers, the main disease they got, they got the, the disease of gluttony. They can't leave it alone. Listen, there's no man that I will sit and listen to. I'm try, uh, God, help me get on, on what I'm here for today. I'm not going to listen to you to tell me about discipline and self-control if you have to buy new belts about every two weeks. I ain't doing it. I'm not talking about overweight people. I'm talking about preachers right now. I'm talking, no, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about preachers. And don't nobody, anybody, your BMI is not what you want it to be. I, I, look, don't get tender. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a point here. When you decide that you're going to do what God has left you here to do, it's a lot of work. You won't be lazy about it. I don't care what you do. Let me, let me say this, because I, I hope I haven't got myself into anything. And I don't think I have to save people. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter what you're able to do or what you're not physically or mentally able to do. It's the fact when you don't do anything at all. We had people that showed up Wednesday night. They couldn't pick up that load of chairs like Ronnie did. And throw them on his shoulder like it was a box of Cracker Jacks. But there are people that, you know what, could ball up paper and throw it in the trash can. The main thing is, both of those jobs get the same reward in heaven. The difference is, it's not being a sand ballot or a Tobiah sitting back and laughing because there's work to do. Jesus said, you need to occupy till I come. Last time I checked, occupy means work. It means work. It means work, and it still means work when you occupy. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. There's nothing boring, predictable, or lazy about rejoicing. That requires my mouth. Sometimes it requires my hand. Sometimes it requires that right and left foot right there. When I rejoice, God again for the second time is not the God of the dead, church, when you die, you want to die busy. I could really close right then. But I got to tell you this. People will laugh. Number two, people will despise you. Again, you make people uncomfortable. I'm going to say this. I'm not trying to get a laugh out of anybody. But when we... When we've had plate sales in the past or events at church, check this out. You know when people have to exit the building? All of a sudden, <gasps> I got to go. When it's time to clean up. Well, I got to go. This is one of my favorite that happened. Years ago. Well, and this happened more than one time. Well, I got to get up and go to work in the morning. And I say, God, 
Help me to be swift to hear and slow to speak right now. Because what I want to speak, I don't think it's in the Bible. Everybody's got to go to work in the morning. I got to get up at 7. 7? Man, I'm through with three hours of work by 7 o'clock. What are you talking about? 7. So, folks, my point on that little soapbox is you make people uncomfortable when you're busy. People are lazy. All of us love recliners and milkshakes. Amen. All of us like to fall asleep. All of us like to watch somebody else doing it or the little imaginary friends. But at the end of the day, that ain't how Jesus and the disciples rolled, my friend. That's not how the early church got it done. They sold off, forgot about their mess. They shared, and they were burnt. They were crucified upside down. They were boiled in oil. They were whipped till they were dead. They were stoned to death with rocks. But they were committed, and they got the job done. They wasn't lazy, and they understood they would be laughed at. They would be despised, but we're not working for an earthly crown. We're working for the man who gave it all for us that's making a place for us, and he's going to see us one day. So in closing, people will laugh at you. People will despise you. Verse 19 says, people will accuse and threaten you. Does the king know about all this stuff? But here's where we turn the curve in closing. Those same people and everybody else People will watch you prosper also. I've never, hallelujah. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging bread. See, hallelujah. When you make yourself available to God for him to put his hand on you and get something done. It might look like he's just using you with one hand. Have you ever... Have you ever wondered why it just says hand and not plural hands? This is just some open theology here. I think while he's using you to get the job done, he's digging over there in his barrel of goodness. And if you got a need, if you got seed, if you need money, if you need healing, if you need anointing, if you need God to open up doors, I believe while he, you allowing him to work with this hand, he's not just folding this other hand, but he's got it over here and he's showing you brand new mercy every day. He's going before you. He's going behind you. He's going around you. He's taking care of your babies. He's taking care of your help. He's got your mind intact. See, God won't let you go so long that he don't respond. So people will watch you prosper. Verse 20. said, the God of heaven will, he will prosper us. So people will watch you prosper. And people will watch you build. I won't never forget the pipe dream moment when I wanted to get in the flesh. And go back to that friend of mine that told me somebody said this was a pipe dream. There's nothing, nothing, nothing. This is almost all flesh, but there's a little bit of spiritual application in it, so I'm going to say it. But I remember the day I walked into this building, and I wanted to call my friend or go get him to go get those other, or that other laugher. And I wanted to say, pipe dream this, baby!
Unfortunately, what I just did will be the only thing some people remember. People will watch you prosper. People will watch you build. And just like I've already said, it's absolutely none of your business if you're not in on it. And that's what you need to tell the devil. He's going to talk you out of witnessing. He's going to talk you out of helping. He's going to talk you out of being the glove, the man, the church, the family, the student. Oh, he wants you to do what all the other students are doing, sleep around, try stuff, uh, do vulgar things. Oh, he, wa- he loves that. He just wants you to be a little follower. He don't want you to be a Mary. He don't want you to be a David. He, he don't want you to be a Esther. He don't want that. Oh, he just wants you to fall. He wants to kill you like he's killing everybody else in your world. That's what he wants. Make your mind up. Make your mind up. And all the people that laugh, they'll watch you prosper. They'll watch God do a dynamic work in your life. I want you to stand with me, if you will. And I know that it seems like, man, the pastor's really spending a lot of time talking about children. Does it seem like to you he's spending a lot of time talking about children and and working and Bible uh, Bible school uh, Wednesday nights and Adventure Island and Sunday morning about working and being involved and about putting books that it seems like he's talking about that a lot on a regular basis I'm going to save everybody a lot of breaths yes yes I am I've been called to do that I'm going to do that. I've made my mind up. Lord, if nobody's faithful, even my own immediate family, if nobody, if everybody tucks tail and run, I'm going to finish, Lord. You've been good to me. Has he been good to y'all? Has he been good to you? I love that one part of amazing grace. Through many toils and dangers and even snares I've already come I want to ask you before I pray has God brought anybody through anything in the last 10 years of your life he's so good church we owe it to him we owe it to him to reach the children We owe it to him to reach the young families. We owe it to him to build the wall. You owe it to him. The person that's checking you out. The thing that you may not realize. And this is. Goes along with Dale and Teresa's story. But sometimes we get bent out of shape when things happen to us. And we don't understand. God is so inconvenient. Yesterday I was looking for a, I was looking for a, 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 a fishing, a gigging pole. I couldn't find it nowhere. It's one that I bought with Daddy one year when we were down uh, at the beach, and and I couldn't find it. I take good care of it because I love it, and if I use it properly and they cooperate, there's always a good meal on the other end of it. But I looked everywhere, folks. I could not find it. It bothered me. 
and in my pump house. I never go in there once or twice a year. And I need to go in there more often. But I decided to go in. I said, it won't even fit in there. It's like 12 feet long. But I went in there. I said, maybe it, I can't remember. Maybe it breaks down. And I, I wasn't mad. I really wasn't upset, upset. I was just kind of puzzled. I couldn't remember where it was. And I looked for it. Angie got tired of hearing me talk about it. It was a Seinfeld episode that hadn't aired yet. And I walked into the pump house, and as soon as I walked into the pump house, I, know, I noticed that the water, there was a little bit of water in there, and there's a little pinhole right outside of a contact. It's just, I, I think it, and, and it had been spraying water. And I had to repent. I had to apologize. I said, God, what was aggravating to me was really a blessing because I, would have not, I wouldn't have found that. And see, we don't, his ways, you know it, but his ways are still higher. 2022, his ways still higher, church. And what seems like maybe Sanballat, Tobiah, people turn their backs on you and you can't get people to cooperate. You need to keep building, keep stacking, keep doing because God's got a plan. He's got people. He just wants you to say, listen, God, have your way with me. And I think that God's hand on us ought to be enough motivation to do anything seeing how He's already proved to us with two hands how much He loves you. I want to pray right now, Father God, in this church. We know we serve a mighty God, a good God. And I thank You, Lord. I thank You, Lord. That you allow us to work for you. You allow us. And Lord, even when we face people, like I've already talked about, someone of a whole different culture and faith. God, you just told us to show up. Be the glove. You'll put the words in our mouth. God, be willing to pick up and do, Lord. Just be the person that will stand there for the children. Be the family, be the church that's not caught up in social media and television and everything else. We're just here, Lord, to, to be the one that maybe will make a difference and another child won't do this 18 years from now, God. What we've seen this week. I just wonder how many people in closing will... Join with me at this altar and say, look, I'm willing to be the glove. I want to be the glove that God's hand is inside. Would you just join with me in prayer before we leave? Because that hand of God is also an anointing of God. God won't put you on any battlefield. Now, you may walk on to some on your own, inflict your own amount of pain, but God won't send you somewhere without equipping you. And as you begin to tell the Lord you're available, I want to tell every person that's not a believer, in the building, online, you must be saved in order to go to heaven.
you can't have attended church, even a vacation Bible school, and say, well, I'm going. You can't even give money and say, well, I'm going. You can't even hold a position and say, I'm going. You can't even be a preacher and say, I'm going. The only way you can go to heaven, the only way, and it's simple, is you have to understand you were born in a world marked by sin. Only two people. Well, only three people were not born in sin. Adam and Eve and Jesus. Adam and Eve committed the first sin, but they weren't born into sin like us. And you have to understand that sin, since that moment that they committed sin, it has angered God. And it has stored up untold wrath that is now transferred onto you and me unless you say, Jesus, I am so sorry for the sin of this world and the sin of my life. I believe you paid the ultimate price of giving your life by shedding your blood on a cross to wash away my sin. I believe that. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I ask you, Lord, to make me one of your own. Bible says he's faithful and just and Lord as we gather at this altar right now Lord this is just not a time filler this is not just a thing we do because it's scheduled in a program it's not scheduled Lord we can walk and we can come and gather together at this altar and we can say God here I am I am the vessel that I want you to feel. There's been enough of the world that has filled me. Lord, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to forgive me of anything that would prevent your good hand, God, from coming into this glove. And you need to pray this, church, and mean it. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray for myself, Lord. I do not hide or crutch on the fact that you've called me to be a preacher and think that I'm breezing in. Lord, forgive me. I plead the blood of Jesus on my own life. God, of anything that has been unchristlike that would cause you to have a path to pass over me to get a big or small job done. And mean it from your heart. And I just want to read this scripture to you on my phone. Derek doesn't have it for you. I I didn't give this to him. But sometimes, a lot of times, I will get one or two or three different translations of the Bible to compare to what I read daily 
to to maybe get a, a view that I'm not getting or, or, or a new view on it that I've missed like I told you about the Tower of Babel last week very seldom I, I, don't, I don't even know that I've done this a half a dozen times or a dozen times but I just happened to stumble across or look I didn't stumble 1 Corinthians 15.58 I don't even remember when I've done this last but I looked at the message translation talks about going to heaven and working but this is how this scripture reads now this is the last scripture with all this going for us, my dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourself, throw yourselves, throw yourselves in the work of the Master. Confident that nothing you do for Him is a waste of time or effort. Nothing you do. Throw yourself. So what I'm going to ask you to do is when you go home, get your phone out or your Bible and I want you to read this. Two or three different translations if you want to. And all of them point you at the same destination. You may say, well, I never thought about it in those terms because I've read this. This is why God had me go here today. I want you to th throw yourself everything you got just build and the, the first few words in that scripture was with all this going for us meaning everything that the Lord is working on for you right now you know he said y'all know this now he said I'm going to prepare a place for you y'all do know that right Now, if God's preparing the place, it's going to look better than anything you've ever seen or even imagined. If the Lord Jesus himself, we're talking about the general contractor that is doing all this is the same one that could take a little boy's lunch. I mean like a few fish, five fish loaves of bread and just not even not even a few in one occasion it, two five thousand people thousands of people that's the one that's working on a place for you so why wouldn't you want to throw yourself give all you have to somebody that's doing something your mind can't even imagine for you I mean in light of what is already done what he's doing right now I believe when the, a lot of people say, I believe when the last person saved and all that, I'm not going to argue that. I don't, I don't believe that. I mean, I'm not saying I don't believe that. I want to just look at it from a different perspective also. I want to say, I believe when the last door handle is put on your house or your house, or your mansion, your mansion, your mansion, I believe that's when God the Father is going to look over and nod and say, now, you're finished. Go call them. I believe that. I believe when the last detail of the last mansion is built, I believe we're going out of here, y'all. I can't wait. Amen? I cannot wait. And listen to me. 
I was just talking this morning I was talking to Nikki about uh, her daddy boat this uh, a dream I'd had well I'm, I'm going to tell everybody Nancy I'm going to tell everybody that includes you okay because it goes with this and then I'm through I promise you I'm through but just for some reason or another I dreamed about Bo this week and now I think about all these church people all the time like I do my mama I do but I hadn't been dwelling on anybody but I had a dream this week and I dreamed that I was in a room and Bo come around the corner said Bo Bo and then somebody said Bo I said yes but they never walked around to see him and uh this is what went down Bo had on a pair of blue overalls some of y'all don't know what that means dog okay help the young people out later okay like bibs oh, with straps but they were denim I'm sorry and he had on like a flannel shirt his hair was cut real short, almost like a, I like to say military. I know it's military, but I say military. Had a military cut. But this is the thing that ties in with that right there. But the thing that got my attention so much, his skin looked like that of a three-year-old baby. I know some of y'all about to die to go right now. You want them wrinkles gone in the name of Jesus. But that's what verse 58 said. With all this going for us, who don't want to do all you can before you get home is what I want to know today. With all that God's, we always talk about hell and that's real and it's waiting on people not taking it seriously. But I like to talk a lot about where I'm going and where I believe a lot of you going to go. I like to go where I'm going to eat for a long time, seven years without stopping on one occasion, I know. And I like to go where I know, oh my goodness, you don't have that nor sagging skin going on no more. Because I done seen a man that went in his 60s and it looked like a baby. So even so, come Lord Jesus. So let me ask you this before, before we leave. Are you willing to be the people that show up for the children? Are, are you willing to do it? Will you be the man, the woman, the glove, the church, the youth, the child, the neighbor, the friend? Will, will you be the one that's going to make everybody else mad and uncomfortable? And this is what I want to say. Don't cave under pressure, okay? A lot of people are caving. A lot of people have caved. Don't cave. God's counting on you not to cave, okay? Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here today. I thank you for this book right here. I thank you, oh Lord, that we, Lord, don't have a lot of time left. I thank you, Lord, that we are on our way to glory. Hallelujah. 
Lord, you've got it all prepared for us. God, I thank you that you'll give us what we need. You'll put the people around us. And Lord, you'll, you'll give us the resources. I pray your hand would be not just on me and my family, Lord, but the good hand of God would be on every person in this place today. We wouldn't get mad at you, but we would understand sometimes detours, just like you, Lord, when you had to detour and go through Samaria, you did it, it was out of the way, it was inconvenient, and it meant more foot miles for you and those with you. And people with you didn't understand. But there was a woman that you would meet at a well, and you would change her life, and you would change her reputation, God. And you changed her destination. So God, help us not to despise it when it seems like we are chastened by you, or corrected, or it just seems like it all just keeps caving in on us. Lord, you may be doing some of the most dynamic work in our lives at that moment. I pray, Lord, that you would Lord, be gracious to every person here. I pray, God, you'd give them peace. I pray you would make your face shine on them. I pray, God, that you would load us down with benefits all for your glory. Turn your countenance toward them, Lord. I pray, God, that you would open doors that no man can open and close doors that no man can close. And God, whatever, as Joe is playing, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. Take your bride away. Anoint us. Let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer.